Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The long long the long street. I don't think there's there's any issue with with men crossing their legs. I, mean, I think the people that have an issue with men crossing their legs have an issue with probably their sexuality. And I'll say to everyone out there, if you you know don't have a problem with your sexuality, who you love is who you love, and the important thing is that you're loving and making love. Have we started? Yeah. Um, we were talking a bit before uh, Adam failed to do his job properly um, was, uh, we were talking about picking our noses in public and you got caught last week picking your yeah, nose didn't you? again I said in confidence because and I was upset <laughs> I was hurt because you know, I thought I was, I was doing a pre-pod pick yeah. but uh, in fact the, I was the doing fact a, that that's I was a thing a, is terrible I was doing a it was, I was within the pod <laughs> within the pod yeah Yes, yeah. you know. So I've, I've, I've got this thing. I'm doing it now. Actually, I think there's an element of Tourette's or something where, um, and I, I wasn't aware that I was doing it before. Come to bullshit and being on camera all the time. But when we do social club upstairs, uh, or, or up north or down here, I, I rub my nose all the time, yeah. and, and I do this all the time and do that. What I don't know what that is. I don't know why I rub my nose. It's just a, like a comfort thing. But it's, people are picking so it's up. It's not on itchy. It. No, sometimes it is really itchy. Right. <laughs> That's tough, isn't but it? There's no way out around see, that. I've actually got ticks. Like, I've been to the hospital and stuff about it. And all kind of, yeah, yeah, tons of them. Really? Absolutely tons of them. They're all, like, facial ticks and all like this. But what, what oh. you end up doing is you end up... Because I'm so aware of it, and the worst thing is that I'm always on camera, yeah. is that you find ways of them going underground almost, and they become part of natural movements that humans make. And I'm very conscious that... I've got so many. You'd be. I'm surprised that you've not. But editors, wow. editors realise it straight away. <laughs> Anyone who edits any of our videos, like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I've got ticks. I went to the hospital years ago about it. I've got like a really mild form of Tourette's where it's not swearing or anything like that. It is. Just you sure it's not swearing? No, no, no. <laughs> that, that is all me. That is all me all the time. But yeah. Real. So it's quite difficult to deal with, to be honest with you. But wow. especially when you're on camera all the time. I've yeah. never noticed. Um, you've drawn attention to it now, though. Mm. I think this is, this is actually a good podcast to talk about this because both of you yeah. are on camera all the time. Mm. Neither of you really wanted to do that. No, no, hate it. Yeah, but you've, do you both understand that you're good on camera? Um, no, 
I know they're putting you in an uncomfortable yeah, position. Yeah, well, yeah, of course I am bollocks. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing. I, I, I've said many times I come here not to do this. I didn't come here, I was kind of tricked. <laughs> but I'm grateful because it's allowed me to do things that I was always... I'd always look at people on camera and think, how do they do it? I remember one time when we, we were shooting a bit of content down here before I joined Ball Street, and you was doing an, uh, an introduction to... It was, like, uh, uh, it was the uh, William Hill predictor. And you was doing these pieces to camera, and I was sitting there thinking, how's he doing this in front of everybody? This is terrifying. Yeah. I don't even want to sit down and do my bit. So it, that, uh, it is, it's a weird thing, you get used to it. And they were get... some terrible intros, by the way. Do you think? Yeah. I, I remember them being them. good. I remember watching them back and thinking they're terrible. But you just, you have to just get over it and get on with it, otherwise you can't do it. And um, I, I think being self-deprecating, it helps. Do you, like, now, a year and a half, and how many years have you been on camera? Um, seven. Seven. Do you, like, like, we just started filming there, and I kind of don't really feel any different. Do you feel different? I, I'm okay now. Okay, I'm okay. okay with this. I don't look at the camera, so probably, yeah, still. And if you watch, if you listen or watch our podcast, I look at Paul, I don't look at the cameras. It's different when you have to look at the cameras, yeah. but I feel more comfortable looking at you two. Mm. and talking to you two and forgetting about it because I don't think I'd say half the crap that I say if I remembered that I was on camera all the time and the problem for me is that I am and have always been very easily led so when you put me in front of a camera in front of a crowd it accentuates all the things that I am thinking Mm. to another level Yeah, because I feel like I've got it's peer pressure almost and I end up saying things and doing things that they are exactly what I think, but I present them in a way that I feel that the people around me want to see. Mm. Wow. But they are always exactly the same things that I want to say, but I probably wouldn't accentuate some of the points unless I thought it was necessary. Because I, I, so my, for the, well, most of my career, I've had this weird thing where I kind of, I wanted to be a presenter. Yeah. Yeah, and I was working in TV. And I was seeing people do it, and I was seeing three cameras, but I was the other side of it. I was never on, on this side of it, and in live TV as well. And it was, there were really weird moments where in my head... And the reason I like presenting is I, I did it once at, at uni, really, really stupidly quickly, and I just, I just got a bit of a buzz out of it. I liked being part of the, of the conversation. It wasn't anything else. Yeah. Um, but it was weird that I spent most of my 20s wanting to do something that I, I wasn't really sure if I would actually like it if I was doing it every single day. Yeah. So it was a really weird, like, you're spending, all, like, a massive chunk of your life trying to be something or do something. And as I say, I never seemed to cross that line. And then, I, and then after I left that last job, I did, I did it. I got on the other side for like, this panel show on, like, London Live or something. And I remember feeling it... Like, like you don't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, true. Well, no, I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was like a football thing. It was with Marcus Speller. Mm. And um, I remember thinking the anxiety of like being the other side of... Yeah, it's horrible. ...of that camera. And then you sat down and you started chatting. And like you say, when you are just actually talking with people, you kind of just... Oh, you do forget about it a little bit. And, and then it was all right. But yeah, it's, it's almost like... One. In my head, I think I, I would, if I was, you know, if I look great naked, I'd make a good porn star. But I kind of feel like... On what grounds? If he looks totally differently, I think. Yeah. Well, there's no, that. What, because of your performance in the bedroom? Um, well, what, what would make you good at it? What would you rate yourself as? What, in bed? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, previously, before my current missus, probably a six. 
And now? And now, I'd, I'd rate myself quite highly. I, she, <laughs> she, she does, she does all right. So, so you were what? You were the Gary Neville of sex before. Yeah, <laughs> but now I'm um, very much a, uh, a James Milner, a Luca Modric. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> How about you? Self-deprecating, he said before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just going to bring us back to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, but this, I, I felt I needed a boost because um, we got, we got a, hor- a horrible message in from Georgia Healy, a female. Uh, who said not sh- not sure what's receding quicker, Alexis from Arsenal or Flav's hairline? That's out of order, Georgia. I don't know. She raises a good point. I, I mean, know it's I going. Know. I don't deny the fact that it's it's on its way out, um, and I'm I, hold- I'm holding on to it, and it's fine. And, and you know when it when it's is fine. It though? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're fine, mate. You're funny with your hair. Your wow. Fine. Oh, fuck off. When you do that, <laughs> I was only joking, like, but yeah. you're right, aren't you? It's <laughs> great, Fuck you. That's the one thing you get, like, in terms of your appearance, you get a bit funny about, is your, your hair. I'm fine, I'm fine. Because well, <laughs> of all the things that he could be funny about, is that what you're trying no, to say no, here, yeah, James? Because this is really harsh. But we, uh... We'll get to something, and he'll see a clip, and, and he'll go. Fucking hell, James. Why do you tell me about my hair? I do wish someone would... a clip. Someone... <laughs> so I do wish people would would tell me if my hair's out of place or something when I'm on camera, but... Let us know in the comments. Yeah, yeah well, clearly she's... So hang on, she's... are you happy? Are you angry? Um, uh, happy and angry in what respect? I'm I don't know. Sure you're, you're the one who decided to make this part of the book. What are we looking at here? Uh, it's a Georgia... Oh, is it just a comment? I thought there was a picture. It's just a young lady being horrible. I presume she's young. She may be old and bitter. I don't know. Uh, let us know. In Did that I think she wants a bit. Yeah, it's negative. They all want a bit. Well, now that they know you're like an eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nine, nine. Sorry. Uh, speaking of which, we've got uh, a little section, special section of Adam, <laughs> uh, which Adam's favourite bit of the pod, uh, birds and that. Yeah, um, which um, we, we kind of got updates on the Sainsbury's girl situation, <laughs> and uh, there's a question coming from the audience uh, want, want us to discuss something. Um, and, and he's got a little story about prep, which I'll tell for him because I'm sure he won't be comfortable telling. But anyway, that, we'll, we'll do that at the end of the pod to stick around. And this is for brilliant that. because I really want to know the end of this story because I, I listen to this podcast yeah. all the time and I, I spoke to you about it yesterday and yeah. I spoke to Matt about it. So it's like this on on running saga almost. And I, I feel like I was worried that you were going to have like a mid season break, like The Walking Dead, and leave <laughs> it for a few weeks. And I was like, I'm, go- I'm on the pod. They better talk about this Sainsbury's girl. Yeah, it's coming up. Don't worry. Um, okay, remember, uh, if you're listening to this, we also record it on YouTube, The Long Ball Street. You can um, leave comments below. We've got a lovely little community going now. Lots of people constantly comment in. Um, and, oh, we um, hit 2,000 subscribers. 2,020 subscribers on The Long Ball Street YouTube channel. And, you know, lots of people are watching. And most importantly, engaging. Um, we're doing something right. A lot of people are saying really nice things, so it's cool. Um, Wouldn't it be great if you could have more likes on a video than subscribers? Ooh. That would be. I can't. Is imagine. that? Is that? I don't. Can that we, be done? We've ne- I don't know. I don't know if it can be done. Maybe this community could do it. Maybe. Um, yeah. 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 Possibly. That's never happened <laughs> with any of any yeah. of the channels we, we're associated with. Well, yeah. give it a go now. Why don't you just like this video? If we get. We need. We've got two thousand and twenty subscribers. We need over two. Which is really hard. Really fun. To people out, who are out there, who are maybe not in the industry, what's so important about likes? Uh, comments. Why, why, do, why do we at the end of Bull Street ask people to subscribe? What, what, where does that come from, Chris? Do you, I mean, do you do it? You do it on Red Men, yeah. And, and what, what, what do you think? What drives that? It's you've done it on this podcast before, but it's the algorithm, isn't it? Everybody, everybody talks about the algorithm, and, and YouTube obviously want people to like your stuff, and they rate it as a better video. Because you, what you've got to remember is YouTube isn't a person. YouTube's 
uh, algorithm looks for the things that it can look for. It looks for it's why titling and tagging so important. What you're saying is this podcast is about whatever it's about, and then you put that in the title, you put that in the description, you put it in a tag, it knows that that's the most important thing because it's been told three times. Mm. And likely, YouTube has to promote its own content. It doesn't know what content to promote. So content that has a small viewership with a high like ratio is obviously going to be promoted. And and what I think the investment from fans of the videos or or the shows is that they are showing their support for something. They want their thing to be bigger than it is because they think that they deserve it. And if you sh- if you drop a like on something, you're helping that content producer to to hopefully uh, reach more people. What if you smash mad? a like? Oh, yeah, smash a like. Well, I think that's what's irritating yeah. is how enthusiastic people get about it. And uh, I think there is a fine line between asking people to like your videos and subscribe and really ramming it home, which is. You can, you can become irritating quite quickly. That's it's, what I'm always conscious of. It's tricky, isn't it? Because you, you've got to kind of play the game of, of that because it does does play a part. And if people do enjoy what you're doing, then that is that is their way of helping you out because everyone wants to be successful, I guess. But, um, it, yeah, it doesn't feel overly nice yeah. when you kind of have to say it. It's tricky. Just, and it's likes have become a bigger thing recently. There was this whole thing about... The algorithm itself is like it's like the Wizard of Oz. It's kind of like this thing that no one really knows the truth, but yeah. people think they know the truth. Well, just for, just for people out there, what what does that mean? Because when, when you say the YouTube algorithm, it isn't YouTube coming to us and going, this is what you need to do. It's lots and lots and lots of content creators figuring out what it is and then sharing that information. And then, and then six months down the road, YouTube will change it yeah. again, which is massively frustrating because it, 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 it should be about creating good content, but actually it ends up being, how do we make this fit the algorithm? You know, I, I've got a story that's, it can help you understand it, but my brother works for Sony um, in the European headquarters and he do, he's a planning and release coordinator, so he, he plans and releases all the computer games for Sony. And when a, when a game is being designed to go on to a PS4, there are 192 or something ridiculous like this, things that every single game that goes onto a PS4 has to hit, right? So, and it might be down to the rumble can't be more than four seconds if on something and it can't be less than three seconds and it's minute little details and if it fails on one of these 192 and I don't think that's the right number yeah. count it will not go on to the PS4 until that has changed and there's loads of these things throughout computer games that are there that there is no need for it's like a consistency thing. it's a consistency thing that Sony plays on it. and YouTube have the same sort of ideas around how their content should be manufactured and what good content content is and it's a checklist of things and all of it matters this is the thing and it's weighted slightly differently and it might be weighted towards likes and it might be weighted towards audience retention but ultimately it's about YouTube being able to find the videos that people enjoy and promote them to other people who might enjoy them mm-hmm. yeah and I guess if I guess if YouTube told everyone what the algorithm was that everyone would be doing it and regardless but it takes that, yeah. away from what we set out to do and that's what annoys me about it because I didn't set out to start begging for likes on a video when we started them I don't want to have to think about the title before we make the video in some instances but it's all stuff that you have to do and ultimately for me sometimes it takes away from what you enjoy doing because then you're having to tick boxes and I hate ticking boxes mm. and what's, so today like Chris is down here today with Paul um, who unfortunately can't join us to talk about our kind of Bull Street's content and and what we and Bull, the Bull Street Network's content and, and how we can kind of move forward and, and there's a phrase that gets used a lot is that earn the right 
to uh, because what we've just been chatting about for the last few hours is how how can we make these this stuff that fucking we want it yeah just like as you were saying gets you hard or the fucking like makes you feel something and uh we're not going to branch out into midget porn, are we? <laughs> I said, well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's more um, my genre, being a little one. It's a niche. <laughs> yeah, I've got that. Every time I can fantasise every time I see Jimbo. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but but there, that is the weird thing about the world we live in now, is that you, midget you've got porn. to put... Is the, the midget porn is not higher up on the algorithm. There's a balance that we have to... That Redmond have to do, that Bull Street have to do in terms of the content that you make. So that you kind of you do tick boxes, and then there's the, the odd bit that can mm. well, not the odd bit. Hopefully, it'll be more and more as, as time goes on that we can create stuff that fan, football fans are you know so excited by. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's, a weird it's, like, it's like the education system. So many people are using YouTube. So many people need to be educated that there needs to be a blanket way of of, of categorizing all of this stuff, and there has to be an algorithm. Otherwise, YouTube would be an absolute it would be chaos mm. you wouldn't be able to find anything you wouldn't be mm. able to you wouldn't be able to find good content that you don't know exists out there so there's pluses and minuses but as, as people that work in the industry it's very frustrating at times mm. um, okay so uh, there was this big thing um, about you know the Checker Trade trophy Checker Trade Checker Trade dot com right yeah so yeah exactly um, they, there's, this, there's this big it was the EFL c- Cup <laughs> EFL. <laughs> what was that was that Dutch <laughs> I was trying to harness my inner scouser. Oh, nice. Uh, the, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> what are the roots of the, that? The scouse accent? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was because, you know, before, like, the, tra- the train lines and all that type of stuff, Liverpool was very much out on its own, um, and it was a port city, wasn't it? So we t- took a lot of accents in from around the world and stuff like that, but from England, <laughs> we were cut off by mountains from a lot of the other big cities and stuff, and it was very difficult to go to, so once you're left isolated, I think you, you, you end up with a different speech, and you, you can look at that across the country, because they all end up with these different things. Mm. But Liverpool one's rather weird... Um, but it is what it is. If you if you take the black countries, that's weird mm, as yeah. well. You know, Geordie's weird. There, there are a load of these weird accents. It's just that I, I think ultimately we talk quite quick as well, and I think sometimes that could be difficult. But we think fast, so that's why we talk. Do you know what's the only one that isn't weird? London. And sorry. <laughs> Sorry's boring, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so the Trekker Trade Trophy, but much maligned. Lots of people hate it. The attendances are across this. It was essentially uh, under. Under 23s, anyone in the Premier League only could play an under 23 squad. And if they decided to take part, if they decided to take part, Spurs didn't, Chelsea did. Um, it's the PL2 clubs, yes, yeah. yeah. And but full strength teams of other te- uh, in lower divisions they can take part. Well, they um, were forced to take part as well. You had to, there had to be six, I think, from your squad from the Saturday that played in your well, in that tournament. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot, of, a lot of a lot of anger around it. Um, and anyway, look, uh, Coventry are playing at Luton, I think, in the final at Wembley. Oxford, Oxford sorry, uh, in the final at Wembley, and Coventry have sold reportedly 43,000 tickets to wow. this game. That's huge. And then you think, well, what are they doing? Because Coventry are like a they're on, they're in the mire at the moment and they're, they're, they're massively under uh, the, the club's potentially going to be ripped apart Sisu are doing a terrible job in, in running that club certainly not for the fans and very much as the investment opportunity that they saw it um, and uh, but but their fans are kind of s- celebrating this this cup final that's very bad or are they? 
because see their, their fans have come out and said actually this is a protest against Sisu and, and showing the world this is the club that Coventry could be 40,000 people at Wembley at a cup final if Sisu weren't fucking into the ground um, I just wonder where you feel, how you feel about that are they wrong to target the Checker Trade Trophy or is it just an amazing opportunity because it's the only one that we're going to get at Wembley I think the second really because I think they need to make the situation that they're in and the, uh, the the hatred of the fans towards Sisu means that they need to make themselves heard as well because they're in you know we talk about it all the time in the office that the Premier League clubs get all the attention and none of the other clubs do and so for commentary in League One you know struggling in League One it's difficult for them to be heard. So this is a tentpole event and allow them to, to do that. You're going to have the eyes of the world. All right, not all the world, but there are going to be more eyes on this than any other Coventry game, isn't there? Mm. So it's a, it's a good opportunity and football fans around the country should be able to support them because there are clubs around every league and, uh, that have had these struggles that Coventry have had. You know, I think she's been there since 2008 and you know Liverpool had their own problems, so I can relate to that. And I think it's more than just Coventry. It's about football fans standing up for what's right mm. and, you know, right and fair and I think that sometimes we get a little bit lost in our rivalries between clubs and what it ultimately is about it's about we all support teams we all love football and everybody should support Coventry and their fans in this because it could quite easily happen to your club mm-hmm. at any point and, and also in terms of making making a point that's a huge amount of people a massive amount of people and it looks even bigger uh, in that kind of tournament where I, I don't know what Luton will be doing but I think the majority of clubs who've had to play in that uh, tournament have hated every second of it and mostly fans have, have boycotted it the, the attendances have been embarrassing mm. so a bit like the Europa League then is it? <laughs> a little bit like the Europa League yeah exactly not as, not as hated but the, <laughs> yeah I think, it's, I think it's a great opportunity also it's, there's, there's no other there's not going to be another opportunity where you're going to be able to get that amount of people into one place. Yeah. So I think they've got to do what's right for them to make a point. What would um, be amazing if there were some Oxford fans in the commentary end? That would be... Luton. No, Oxford. It's Oxford. Oxford. Oh, it's fuck, Oxford. was I getting it wrong? Yeah. Oxford beat Luton in the second. Oh, right. oh, sorry, I'm getting Oxford. confused. Boys. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Boys. Hang on, so you're right. So it's Oxford? Yeah. yeah. Right, sorry. It's Oxford. So Either yeah. way, I want Oxford to win. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be funny. What do you think about it, Flav? Because you've heard what we saw. <clears throat> what um, do you think? But, you know, I'd be interested. I think it's an amazing think. opportunity for commentary. I think that, that ultimately they need a platform for people to care about this. We made a we made a, an episode about this very issue, Sisu, on, on Social Club. And Ball Street try and be a, a, a company that, that does care about the plight of some of these smaller clubs. Um, and commentary are, are a big club in their own right. But that... That video didn't do well. It, it was it was viewed by around three or four thousand people. That's for a social club is is, is terrible. You know, you, some maybe fourteen thousand less than what you'd expect from a good video. So we understand that not enough people care about it. It's not enough football fans care about it. And Coventry have to take these opportunities where they come. And so I think it's a fantastic thing. And actually, I, I don't think they would rate the Checker Trade Trophy very highly. But and they may make that you know the world well aware of that when they're there but if you're a checker trade you're delighted because it's been it takes it'll probably take the heat off that a little bit and check, no one gives a shit about checker trade more so than ever because it's it's something that um, clubs have been forced to take part in mm. um, well we've mentioned checker trade seven or eight times yeah. people can be stuck in people's heads and they, and they are but you see did you see the way they reacted to fans um, kind of talking about it talking about the competition with such saying they're going to boycott it, Checker Trade came out on Twitter and said, um, "Are you real fans or not?" 
you're going to go and support your team or not and you're like give me your money uh, you're, I mean for a club for a company to sponsor a, a, a trophy in a, in a football competition and not understand football fans at all is, is alarming but then again we're talking about it and it will get in people's heads and when someone needs to check a trade I don't know what that is but when they need to do that they'll probably use that plumber word plumber stuff like that okay, I'm good. just telling them now good. for fuck's sake um, <laughs> okay so there, there, there was an interesting story uh, came out of Man United and Man United fans when they went to play Rostov yeah. uh, this week and in the checker track no <laughs> in the Europa League and um, yeah they was it this week or last Last, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, last week. What day are we on? Tuesday. Tuesday. Last week. So, so Man United. Man United paid for the visas of all the fans to go to Russia. So it costs 120 pounds to get a visa to go to Russia. So if you, as a football fan, you're paying for your ticket, you're paying for your flight, and another 120 quid on top. It's a lot. So I don't know. Man United. Man United fans paid for that. I think when we we played in Russia, I'm not sure Spurs did, but. That's it's an interesting way to collect 40. data on your uh, fans, isn't it? That actually, mm. <laughs> what's with the money? Yeah, I should have probably got enough data. Yeah, yeah, probably. What well, you well, I'm just, I just think that a lot, a lot of this type of stuff is is about data capture. Do you reckon? I honestly believe that. Yeah. I mean, it's valuable. Yeah, you, look, there's there's so many things in the world now about psychometrics and stuff, and I find it really fascinating. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about psychometrics, no, but what is it? Um, it's a, it's an offshoot of psychology, whereby you know the Brexit campaign, and it's all to do with your uh, bubble online that you you essentially trapped in. Yeah, I do know about it. So so the Brexit campaign used a company from Cambridge, I think it was, um, to run their campaign, and it was all based on psychometrics. And Trump <laughs> used the same company, and now everybody thought that Clinton would win the election. You know, the polls all said this, but what Trump did is he spent less money on television advertising than any other president elect in the history but what they don't realise is they were using these stupid little bullshit Facebook tests like what type of ant would you be and all this and these are all psychometric tests so they're collecting these data about you on Facebook when you think you're just filling in a stupid little survey and all this and finding out information about you and what type of a person you are and Trump targeted ads individually to people on Facebook and he wouldn't just target the people who he would think would vote for Trump he targeted people who were on the fence so that they didn't vote for Clinton and forced them to no vote and stuff like that. And this is all psychometrics. And this is, I find it fascinating wow. because no, because whenever we, when the Brexit thing came around, everybody that I spoke to said was a, a, a categoric we're, we're, we're staying in. Mm. And I, th- it was such a shock to me. But you don't see targeted ads on people's Facebook because I don't go on your Facebook, so I don't see what they see, and I don't see the people who would vote out and stuff like that and it's all about this but all this data capture is massive big companies pulling in one direction for entities that are much bigger than I can comprehend wow that's terrifying have you seen House of Cards? yeah because that's essentially what happens I don't know it is it is exactly what happens in House of Cards fucking terrifying what are we doing? (sighs) what are we doing here? talking about football it's crazy should be blowing up fucking companies and get people in a bubble it's, it's mad though, isn't I'm it? Done. And like you know, the, <laughs> okay, this is the thing. I know, I know, Manchester yeah. United have done a good thing, and, and, and I'll be honest about it. Look, I'll, Okay, yeah, Manchester United, £120 <laughs> for the visas and stuff is great, but what they're doing with the ticket side of things, mm. you know, making people collect their money with uh, their tickets with IDs and all this type of stuff mm. is terrible. Like yeah. that. So it's like it's a slap and tickle. Yeah. So, so it's, 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 why do you think that's terrible? 
because it's it's everything that's it's it's total modern footy, and I hate modern footy. I mean, the, what you just alluded to was that the, um, in order to pick up an away ticket at Man United, and the Man, Man United's away ticket's like a hot ticket, everybody wants them, there's loads of people that are interested in, in going away to United, and notoriously difficult to get to, to, get, to travel with United away. Um, so they, they've introduced uh, new rules where you can only pick up tickets with ID, but the most important thing is that if you fail to pick up your ticket, um, you can get banned, and, and there has been people that, get, that, that have been banned before. So there's this kind of... It's almost... Um, I can't think of the word, but it's become so regulated about how you can actually go and watch your football team now. And it also means that you can't... There's, there's a tradition about passing on your tickets to your mates. You can't go, yeah, Chris, you take my ticket to the game. You know, and it's no, no deal. You use your ticket to go in, another fan gets in, and you're kind of in control of that. But clubs have become obsessed in controlling who goes through these gates, and the, the, which would be fine if their main concern was things like atmosphere and, and generating a, uh, an enjoyable match day experience for your, the, the lifeblood of, of what was once the lifeblood of the football club. But as we've seen with Tottenham in, in certain cases, um, they have no qualms in, 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 in introducing things like StubHub so that fans from, who have lots of, more, lots, lots of money but not necessarily the gumption to go every week can get into the games they want because they can go on StubHub and pay over the odds that mm. normal fans in inverted commas uh, can't afford to. Mm. Um, so on well, one hand, United are doing a good thing. On another hand, they're, 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 they're not so much. And I guess what I'm getting at here um, is, is how you feel, how, what is your relationship like with QPR? What's it like with, with Liverpool? How, how do you feel about your football club? Not QPR in, in your heart, but the people, the company that runs it, the PLC or whatever it might be? Uh, I think it's interesting because over the last three three or four months, I've had a, a few more, I mean, very brief dealings with uh, QPR in terms of their, I guess, more their media guys than, than anything going to event the other week and having another chat with them. And um, we've got uh, Andy Sin, who uh, I'm, I'm excited to have on. He's a, a club ambassador at QPR. And, and he's coming on and they were they were really happy for us to have him on there um, what I've seen with QPR which has not been the case and we'll, I guess we'll be able to go, go into more depth with with him when he's on is is the connection between the fans and and the club and we got I think we got a bit lost in that sense firstly we had Flavio Briatore mm. and Bernie Eccleston mm. who came in saved the club which is I mean thank goodness for that because uh, we were really 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 struggling we were just Dying under the the weight of a, a loan that had a sort of ten percent interest on it, and we just weren't able to pay it back. And so they saved the club in that sense. But then when they when they did that, they kind of washed their hands of of caring what the fans thought because they had us. They had us because they, they'd saved us. And they looked and they said they used this phrase of trying to turn the club into a, a boutique club, and sort of did all the um, VIP bits uh, up and. We, yeah, we, the fans were sort of. So, anyone seen that documentary, the Five Year Plan? Yeah, saw how it's incredible. The access they got is ridiculous, but you can see how these guys are. It's megalomania at the right. So word. for people that wouldn't know, because there'll be lots out there that don't know what the Five Year Plan is, just give a brief. Yeah, outline. so the, uh, the Five Year Plan was um, a documentary which followed QPR over five years, um, 
and from when Bria Tori and Bernie Eccleston, Bernie Eccleston, if you don't know him, he owns, well, he owned Formula oh, One. Formula yeah. One, yeah. Um, uh, uh, just a, seems like a horrible little man. And Flavio Briatore, who owned uh, Benetton. And those, uh, and also the Formula One racing uh, team, Benetton as well. And so it followed them coming in. They said that they wanted to be in the Premier League in five years. Um, and as it transpired, what happened was is that they were just crazy and... Um, just sacking managers left right and trying to pick the team itself there's a moment in the documentary where it shows that he's doing that um, and then uh, the Mattal family who also own 30 odd percent of the, the club to this day they were involved as well they're the guys who um, they, they're Indian guys who own a lot of um, steel I think I thought it was toys toys no steel toys that's steel toys right. yeah sure um, and anyway, they came in with a, a more a better understanding of what was right. Um, anyway, long story. That was a documentary. In the end, QPR got into the the Premier League, but by that point, Briatore and Bernie Eccleston had taken a back seat. And the season after, Tony Fernandez. That's a different story. He bought uh, bought the club, and he is the one who's actually been for the huge mistakes that he's made with us in terms of the, everyone knows in terms of the team that was in the Premier League that had too many stars. And, and didn't have an, enough work ethic, and we got we went down with the mm. huge wages. So you got all of this access as a QPR fan. As a, as a Spurs fan, I watched it and I was fascinated because I've never seen the insides of a football club. But as a QPR fan, was that a healthy thing seeing that aspect, or is it sometimes better that you don't know the inner workings of your football club in case you don't like what you see? So I mean, we didn't have any. We only had that after, well after the event, right. because you know that that's when that documentary came out. I think it came out just after they might have sold to Tony Fernandez. After that, Tony Fernandez was desperate to and watching it. Sorry, to answer your question, it was um, it was bizarre. It's like watching you know, like a soap opera. Unfortunately, you know there's a happy ending at the end of it when it did come out, but you were just like, what? Like the guys How were in the this happening? yeah the guys How were in the board happening? going get get him off get him off or, or I think it was Gary, Gavin Mann who's like an average player like, get, I think it was get him on and then he scored and then he was like in Italian going see this guy's an idiot I told you this is what he needed to do Mental. which is the the Terrible. thing that you're yeah you are terrified of as, as a fan that your chairman's got that kind of involvement Tony Fernandez came in for, and for all that he's done wrong he, <clears> he's he tried to be transparent he tried to talk to the fans he almost talked to the fans probably a bit too much. Um, but now we're back at this point where we've kind of come back to the level of where, of who and where QPR are. We're top 30 club, not Premier League club. So top, top we are, club. But it's true. This is what Lee Hu's our chief executive. <laughs> so if you're top 30 club, do you not believe that? You're not having that? No. <laughs> you're not having top 30? I didn't know it was a thing until just It's now. not a thing. No, no. The reason it's top 30 club. you just saying like you're top 10 in the championship. No, because we're no because we're no we're top thirty club. Top 30. No, because as a top thirty club, Brentford, Brentford top twenty four club. Brentford, I wouldn't say Brentford are a top thirty club no, yet. We're not, but we're yeah, all right. Get back in your box. No, but hear me out because as a top thirty club, you, <laughs> top thirty club. Shut up! You just made this one. No, no. This is what this is the phrase that Lee, who's who's the chief executive now, that he used. Yeah, really. Top of their club it's is clearly the, a good salesman because James has bought the Kool Aid. <laughs> no, the thing is, what you what you won't understand as a Liverpool fan is what, any team that gets relegated from the Premier League. What you hear about all of them is when they're talking about their club, they go, "We need to get back where this club belongs in the Premier League." Right? That's bollocks for a lot of clubs because so QPR. If we have an uh, an average or a poor season, then we'll be we'll be lower Championship and could even get relegated into League One, which did happen. But if we do if we do really well, then we might 
be good enough to get into the Premier League. But yeah. we're always going to struggle in the Premier League because we're not a Newcastle who, if they go down, there's no doubt that they're going up because they they are a massive, massive club. So That's we're not, not true, though, James, is it? You Why? can't say, look at Coventry, look at Leeds, look at Preston over the years. These are massive clubs who I think are bigger than QPR. Yeah. You know, Preston, Preston probably not. But Leeds and Coventry, I would say, were bigger than QPR. Now, and then you can look at some of the other sides, like Stokes, who made themselves a Premier League club. Mm. Bolton, who made themselves a Premier League club for a long time. And It's about ambition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but, but, but no, but the fact is it's about being under, understanding of where you are and not, not, not... You can be ambitious, but you've got to be smart with it as well. There's a reason why Stoke did so well. Stoke were in League One. They beat Brentford in the playoff final and then went up and, and did it properly, got Pulis in. They've got a great chairman there. They're a well-run club. And, and then they did it again. And then when they were there, they didn't play great football, but they, they've slowly moved so themselves So are, are they still a top 30 club or are they a Premier League club? I would say the way the, the, the money is in, in football and the, the, the attendances they get, I would say they are a top, they're a top 20 club, they're, they're, they're a Premier League club. They, I mean, anyone's got the threat of going down. QPR are a team that, you can't, despite the, the decent history that we've got, you can't say that, you know, and you guys laughed at it, you can't say that we'd, we should definitely ever be in the Premier League, in the Premier League just because we're a, a team. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In London, who can attract players like, you know, whoever it is? Because we do only get 18,000, or we get less than that. We get, we get 15,000 a lot of the time. So that's why I used that phrase, and that's why I thought the phrase that he, you know, he used initially does make sense. Because we we could quite easily be in League One mm. and so how, outside the place, which we have been. So, so obviously, just to answer the question, so how, what, how do you how do you feel about being uh, about so, how your clubs been run now? The way, yeah, sorry. The, the the way the way I like the way that we're being run now is the the understanding of the size of us as a club. Now we feel like with Holloway and and he brought in Holloway for a reason. And the players that he's brought in, they're all hard-working championship players, not a Jose Bissingwa or whoever those guys are. They're, the fan, it feels like there's a connection starting to happen again with the club and the fans because 
everyone's starting to understand who QPR are and how we can be successful. So that's how you feel. The other QPR fans feel the same because you are notoriously optimistic about things. Yeah, because I tell you what, if you asked me a year and a half ago, I would say I would say otherwise. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Fair enough. Really and so that is interesting from position because QPR are very different clubs. I mean, we well, I always dig James out for like laughing at little QPR and little Brentford and you know Tim Pot clubs so and whatnot. Really quickly, just but, to say that what you what you do get and Adam will back me up on this. When you're the lower you go, the more you can be connected with your yeah. club because yeah, there's, yeah. there's not the bells and whistles of the of the Premier League, and that's another like that's where in the Championship you've got to work really hard. I think because mm. you're on this sort of and there is something I am envious of the relationships that clubs that are in the Championship League One that the fans have with their clubs and, and the owners and, and the people that run it are more connected to the fans I would imagine because there's more at stake the fans truly are the lifeblood there but with Tottenham and Liverpool us two as individuals are not relevant at all and, mm. and large sections of the fan base are not relevant because they can be replaced by other people so, what's your relationship with Liverpool uh, like? My uh, personal relationship with them is that it's not just Liverpool. There's so many clubs like this. I just think that the way football's gone is the main problem for me, and I I wish that football was what my dad tells me stories of, you know. And I'm, I've never experienced that. And we were talking about it early on about us being maybe uh, the generation in between that kind of remembers what football was, and we're kind of seeing what modern football is now. And I would love that. You know that real community feel to to be back in football, and I think you, the further down the leagues you do get that. But for me personally, you know, I don't feel like Liverpool listen to Liverpool fans enough. I don't think the the ownership being in America is necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing either, but there would be more of a connection to the club if it was still owned in Liverpool or if it was owned by fans. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar situation to that. I guess. So the problem is, is that the the cl- you know the owners of the club own the club, so they have to step to the fans. The fans are the kind of waiting yeah. to be involved, there's to a, be invited into the party. You're right, and but there's a there's got to be whoever your owner is. There's got to be an understanding of the people of the city that they own that club of. If that makes any sense, you that, know what I mean. That's exactly my point now with QPR is that they're starting to understand that we you know we we went for it and we went. Too big, and there wasn't the, the the strong roots of of a of a small family club that is QPR, and now we're kind of getting it again. Adam, you're quite pleased with your Brentford owner, aren't you? Yeah, I'd say you get he he is a Brentford fan, has been for like thirty years, grew up near it, so he obviously gets the fans pretty well. Yeah, and, and see, Liverpool. Sorry, have, have appointed um, a new chief executive, and his name's Peter Moore, and he comes from. Well, he was the chief exec of EA. He did a lot of the game and stuff with them, but he was born in Liverpool, and is a Liverpool fan. And if you go back, and he actually follows us on Twitter and stuff. And if you go back and follow his tweets, he was living in America, out in California and Silicon Valley and all that. But he would tweet at four AM their time mm. as he's watching Liverpool games. Yeah. Now that to me is a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you need people that are going to get it. Um, it's a shame Matt's not on the pod this pod this week because uh, we had a great question about the business, but it links 
the business and football it links directly to this and it, it's quite long so I'm going to try and do it justice but um, the shocking thing is that every business that tries to market itself would love to turn their customers into fans in fact that's usually at least a chapter in every marketing book written in the last 20 years we keep being told that football clubs are new businesses first and foremost and yet despite the fact that most of their customers are fans and fiercely loyal and vocal and fans at that a dream come true for any other business football clubs and leagues appear to be dead set on turning their fans into plain customers with barely any passion left for their clubs it's paradoxically stupendously idiotic that's a great, that's a great comment. comment it's amazing isn't it I don't know what to say to it other than that he's nailed it it Good seems man. bizarre um, yeah that's Paul G uh, left in our YouTube comments um, bizarrely uh, poignant and poetic for a YouTube comment <laughs> but um, yeah he nails it I, I don't want to add any more to it I think that's that's it in a nutshell it's really. bang on yeah um, it's definitely a thinker Mm. I'm going to go away and read that comment after this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It's, it's massively interesting, though, isn't it? Because he's so right. It's that. But can you. Is it easier to cultivate fans or customers? And when you're talking about people from other countries and other cities and other continents, at that point, it's easier to cultivate customers than fans. Yeah. You don't get that fandom until they've been a customer for a long time. So maybe they, the football clubs, have taken this um, blanket approach to it, and the easiest they can spend their money on one thing. And what they've done is they're going to increase their customer market share rather than their fandom. Maybe the cost of true fans is a lot more, and maybe long term those customers will turn into fans. I don't know. It's it's a really difficult question. I just I wonder if there's a, there's a link there back to what we were talking right at the start of the with the algorithm bit and the balance that we in terms of us making the content that we're making for Ball Street. You're trying to there are those things that you know to again to t- to get those get the customers in or to get those people in, but initially, but it, it's it's actually those those things that you can do we can do to turn them into fans through the ideals and the connection that you can make with them that will make it really really strong yeah. but it's interesting because I think if you talk to Liverpool fans from outside of England a large portion of Liverpool fans came off the back of Istanbul you know and that's just because of the age of them and stuff like that I'm not that saying that and that was all based upon the team and the fans being one and you know that that incredible rendition of you'll never walk alone at half time and that standing up in the face of adversity and stuff so it's actually the fans that increased the fanship everywhere else not the football club and maybe the football club should go back to thinking about matters on the on the pitch more and the fans will follow whereas I think they think too much about the commercial aspects because Manchester United stole a march on absolutely everybody mm. and, and they have to yeah yeah, absolutely. And I don't think a lot of these business owners and very rich people from around the world really understand English football and how partisan it is and, and, and how difficult it is to manage fans' expectations and and to manage their behaviour because um, essentially it's based on passion, it's based on romanticism, it's based fundamentally on, the, on our love for our football club and isn't based on, on making money. And we'll pay money hand over fist to go and watch our team play. But we become harder to please and and and, and accept what's happening I because that. of that money. I absolutely hate that. I, that you're I, over a barrel. I hate the fact that football fans, and I've said this on on our own podcast, football fans want to be treated as fans, not customers. Yet the first thing that football fans—I'm not saying all football fans—I'm not saying you two or me—the first thing that they do is point to the money that they've paid to watch, and that 
is a customer transaction mm. and nothing more and nothing less than that. If you want a refund or if you turn around after the game, I can't believe I paid £50 for that. That's not what you're paying for. You're paying for the chance to watch your team and anything can happen on that Saturday. You know, you could win, you could lose, you could draw. They're the three things that you're paying to see. Yeah. You're not paying to see Liverpool win. You're paying for the opportunity to watch something happen on a football field. That, you're absolutely true and that 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 is almost beautiful because that is the pure purest way to approach a football match and it's why the level of expectation of some fans is insanely high and then they they're almost disappointed before they walk in because they are I aren't about to watch a 6-0 drubbing however that mindset is made worse by the fact that the amount of money they do have to pay in if it was still affordable I think you would have a more understanding and more supportive fan base at every football club Maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, that's maybe. what Arsenal. You know, the protest last uh, last Wednesday. That was a big one. What is it? One thousand four hundred fifty-nine quid for a season ticket for an Arsenal fan to go to that. Whereas Bayern Munich, I think you know, it's like one hundred and forty quid. Is it that? Yeah, and uh, and you're not getting the yeah, you're not getting the success that kind of comes with what you expect. There is no right to it. get that. You have no. no right to think that you're going to be. Uh, I, I think that's really. This is some the other way around. I guess it's. Maybe you guys haven't got it completely, but the the difficulty of of success being the difficulty of being a, a fan of a big team and it being like we talk about. It, I always hang my head when people don't give a shit about the FA Cup anymore because I'm just like, wow, that's still like right up there and it's amazing. Mm. But when you're you are in that top one percent of clubs in the world, you you are going to be judged on trophies, aren't you? QPR aren't judged on trophies I agree It's it's not about trophies It's about the journey That you take as a fan And I'm not bothered By how people judge Tottenham I could give a shit I'm bothered about my experience Of when I go there And and my my relationship With my fellow fans That's the most important thing for me And I do often come away From why I lay Not feeling like That's my home anymore Um, You know I don't I debate about Whether or not I would get a season ticket Or why I lay Because I'm not 100% sure Who I'm going to be Sitting next to I don't want to sit there and mutt, at, um, mutter and tut and moan because the team ain't playing well, and then two minutes later, because we scored two goals in three minutes, suddenly become this vocal, you know, ah, oh, did you hear the atmosphere? We well, had the atmosphere because the team delivered that to you. Yeah. I, I don't, I get there's a bit of give and take. The club, the, the, the players have got to give something on the pitch, but the fans also got to give something to the players as well. And like you said in Istanbul, when you sung the, uh, you never walk alone at half time when you're three 0 down. I'm sure the players heard that in, in, in the dressing room and, and responded yeah, accordingly. But I think there's an interesting line of, of, of course you're in it for better or for worse. Like you don't, you know, that this goes without saying. Certainly, for, you know, for us. Most for of us, yeah. Yeah, but when do you, when is it okay to, to protest? I think when you're, I think, I think it's subjective, in my opinion. I would protest. I, 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 I would. I protested against Spurs moving from White Hart Lane to Stratford because I felt look everything I knew Tottenham to be was about to be ripped apart. Um, I wouldn't protest if Spurs had consistently finished in the top four, sixteen years in the bounce. Yeah, I mean, I protested last year. I walked out on 77 at the Sunderland game. So I think there's times when fans need to show solidarity with each other and show the show the the, the owners of these football clubs, and not just Liverpool Football Club, but the owners of all football clubs that fans still have a voice and we deserve to be listened to. And it's not down to the fact that it's the money that we spend, although that unfortunately often sparks the debates. Yeah, uh, it is down to the fact that we have 
values and we have tradition and we want to keep all of everything that is good what I feel about my football we want to keep those and what you're doing by making football so unaffordable is taking out the roots of the football club which is the working class for Liverpool it's, it's, it's when the traditions of a club or the game are in jeopardy that's when you protest that's, that's, that would be my rule of thumb and just, yeah, just quickly it just popped into my head have you ever wanted a manager out? yeah Roy Hodgson um, yeah, George Graham, Harry Redknapp, uh, Tim Sherwood. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I was just—I don't. It's, it, and, but my and one actually, was based on the fact that Roy Hodgson wasn't a good fit for Liverpool, and by and the results prove that. But he was never a Liverpool manager. But my mine was never about the results. Mine was about how those those people rep, well, they as the figurehead of Tottenham, how they made us look as a football club. Harry Redknapp was notoriously flippant about the fans. Mm. He often said, referred to the club and the fans as they, as opposed to we. Um, uh, Tim Sherwood was uh, just a bellend. And um, uh, and who, who was the other one I said? George Graham. George Graham was a gooner. Yeah, so, yeah, I can totally understand that one. Mm. Yeah. Um, how long have we been going? 49 minutes. 49 minutes. Uh, okay, all right, uh, quickly... Um, Players at your club, so I've got a question from Evan, Evan Stewart. Players at your football club were utter gash, but you kind of loved them anyway. Um, I've got so many of those. Go on, reel some off then. That we loved them anyway. Um, there was a guy called Bob Malcolm who we got from Rangers. Reel some off that we would know. Is that right? Someone that, that we still love. All right, why though? Why, why Bob Malcolm? He sounds, to me, he sounds like a balding, really old kind of XPE teacher. Yeah, he was bald. He was, he was from Rangers. We had him on loan, and he, but he was, and he was so bad in the first game that he played for us that people started to enjoy him playing because he was that bad it was it was amazing yeah. um, god who else was we had um, kind of like cult hero, we had a guy called Devin White who was um, Devin White Devin White so he's, he's, um, yeah, black lad massive black lad and he was just a beast yeah everyone called him Bruno again he was like he wasn't great but he was a bit of a battering ram racial profiling but okay <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, those are the facts <laughs> one player we, we loved he was class but then it, we, we went up and it, in the championship he wasn't good enough which was a shame but people had this bizarre love for him mm. was this player called Gino Padula he was an Argentinian guy. Oh yeah, he had long hair. He had long hair. Don't. Long hair does a lot. Yeah, lot and he was, and he was just really, I don't know, had a bit of a smile on his face. He was a great left back in the in League One, but then when he moved up, he was so out of his depth. But yeah, we loved him as well. Fair play. I am um, the one that sprung to my mind first, and it's the only one I'm going to give you is TT Kamara. Um, now his record as a Liverpool player, his record was pretty good all told. He scored nine goals in thirty three games for us, mm. but he was me- he was mental. I wrote it down. Yeah. He was absolutely mental because he didn't look like a striker. He probably shouldn't have been a Liverpool striker, but he's a, he's a proper cult hero. If you speak to Liverpool fans, you know that 1999 season, yeah. he was a cult hero, and for no reason. Yeah, he looked like un- he looked like Uncle Fester from the Adams Family, except he was black. black. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was a real bizarre. One. He didn't look like a psycho, but he was he was he was awesome. Do you know what I thought he was gonna say? And I still to this day when I'm have a shower, I will sing this song. Mo 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 so Yeah. <laughs> was he not a cult leader? He was a bit of a like, he was a bit of a cult hero. He wasn't one that I, I particularly liked mainly because of, he tried to control the ball one time. I think it was in a game against Manchester United yeah. in the centre of the park, and he essentially kicked the ball. 30 yards above his head and it came straight back down again and it was just the most like no 
<laughs> you can't do that on a football field, like you know. He what was I mean? alright though, wasn't he? Mm, he was. Yeah, he had a. He had a. If I remember correctly, he had something, some kind of an eye injury, and he I had to give up football. Blind. Yeah, he was blind in one eye. Yeah. he went to Juve, didn't he? I'm not sure if it was Juve, but it could well have been. I, I, I can't remember, to be perfectly honest with you. We've had some belters over the years. Like, uh, the Tita Gamara one, though, he ended up being like the sports minister for Guinea, which is where he was from, and Amazing. stuff like that. Like, you, really you both bizarre. got that, and we've definitely got that because we've been up and down the leagues. Those guys are great. Those <laughs> Eagle Bishkans, like those like Jimmy Traores, they're great. It's yeah. great to have those guys, you know. Yeah, not just of. quality all the time. It's, it's kind of interesting in that. You enjoy them once they're gone. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's uh, true. But Stefan Freund's a massive cult hero at Tottenham, very average Champions League winner. Uh, what about um, Tariko? Yeah, he's a he's a nasty piece of work. Yeah, right, dirty, dirty little player, average again, um, right footed left back. Uh, you know, you, you always got to love one of those. I just yeah again just just pony. Really. I've probably um, got one that no one at Liverpool liked, but I did. Bjorn Tore just because he could tackle. Like, yeah. I, he loved the slide and tackle and he wasn't really a very good right back and he probably shouldn't be included in any type of list of good Liverpool players but I really liked him what do people think of Neil Miller? Um, Arsenal they yeah. remember that goal against Arsenal oh, that's right. fair play to do you know what fair play to Neil Miller he's actually a really good co-commentator he is, yeah. Now. Yeah, he is, good. He, he is really good like, he, he went on to just did relatively well for Tranmere didn't he? Preston yeah. he was yeah, out Preston, yeah. Preston. and then he got injured yeah. oh, maybe I was wrong um, okay uh, uh, Aaron Malloy uh, it's a hashtag pod questions if you, if you, if you want us to, to notice that there's a question <laughs> in your comment leave hashtag posh questions, pod questions in the YouTube comments below which grounds in England are, uh, should everybody go to before they die give us one and not Anfield or Loftus Road or White Lane respectively um, what, what away ground do you like I, I really like Hillsborough I know um, obviously there's, yeah, there, are, there are connotations with Hild- Hillsborough um, but um, it's a great ground it's yeah. a really really good ground um, still kind of old school in its, in its roots yeah. um, big and um, QPR got promoted there took 7,000 away it was amazing it's, it is generally associated to memories, isn't it? Sure. Um, my dad always talks fondly uh, about Hillsborough. Again, before the disaster, he, he loved going there to, with Tottenham um, because it was it was massive. It was yeah. it was, used to play, um, you know, it used to be a major major. I mean, West I think, Sheffield Wednesday were a major club. At the yeah, time. they were they were one of the stadiums for the Euros and obviously semi finals as well. And uh, I, I went to Union Sheffield as well, so I went there a few times. Actually, worked did a bit of work through there during my degree and. Um, they uh, apparently so in the, in the home end they have a microphone and speaker so that when the home fans are singing goes into the microphone out the speaker so that they're louder yeah, that's cheating. on the other end Don't it's lie. cheating that's it's cheap. quite clever what you got Chris? was it Premier League yeah uh, any, uh, do you know any 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 any, any in, uh, I in went England? I went to see Northern Ireland versus Liechtenstein in Liechtenstein in Stadvaduts in a European qualifier why because I love football Flav right of course <laughs> And I was already in Liechtenstein at the time. <laughs> um, and that stadium was brilliant because we got to sit in with the Liechtenstein fans. They got hammered. I think it was 4-1 by Northern Ireland. And I got to see Northern Ireland fans, which I would never... I'd, I wouldn't go to an England game or anything like that because I'm not about that. But to see Northern Ireland fans completely take over one end and just go absolutely mental. And, and um, great friends. Yeah, and we, we, were, we were invited there into the VIP from Stadford Dutch. And it's essentially a shed. It's like... 
like you know where Arsenal played in the FA Cup the other week yeah. against that team it's it's a bit like that except there's one stand one d- decent sitting stand and stuff like that and that was wicked and if you can go and watch a game abroad somewhere it's really crap I think everybody should do that and it doesn't have to be Stadford but that's what football is football's not the Etihad Stadium it's not the Emirates yeah. it's about these little stadiums that have these stories that no one knows about but they should yeah. they should go and experience that before they die my first ever game when I was five was Brecon City against Hearts and Brecon City is in, my mum's from Brecon right. uh, in Scotland and um, Brecon City's ground has three normal sides quite a small ground and it's just a hedge <laughs> just on one side the whole side it's just a hedge did you see Braga Stadium in, in, in Portugal is that the one with the the, the, yeah. the, the cliff basically it's essentially got two big um, sides and then there's just cliff faces is it, really? is it some kind of a mine or something Incredible. like that yeah I think so yeah Spurs played there very odd and then there's just got this big clock on one end of the just attached to the cliff very strange um, I don't really have any um, I, I see away grounds as like enemy territory sure. I go there and I think I want to get in and out I want to see Spurs win that I don't feel I don't feel positive about any of it. Um, Bernabeu is a stadium you have to go yeah. and watch it. It's, it's the great stadium I've ever set foot in, and I was lucky enough to watch Spurs play there. They got absolutely pumped, but yeah, you know, I, so, it's something I remember fondly. I saw Liverpool there, and we were up in the upper echelons, and they have heaters up there, which was great because it was wow. like a nine o'clock kickoff in, in Madrid, and I was like, it was freezing. I had like seven coats on and all that. Got up there, I was like. Bloody hell, it's hot up here. What's going on? <laughs> I looked up and there's just heaters everywhere in the Bernabeu. Like, this wow. is brilliant. But in England, I enjoyed Leicester last season. You know, Leicester's an away game was really good, uh, especially that season. Because they give you these, like, little paper clackery oh, yeah, things. Yeah. And most football fans are against artificial atmosphere. Yeah. But, you know, like you said them, before, you don't like going to football games and muttering and arms folded and all that shite. But what you can do is you can clap. And you, if you give someone the opportunity to make a little bit of noise that they're just essentially doing this it's a massive boost to your team mm. and it's good to see that type of stuff Less, for Leicester that worked really well They all because the fans seem to buy into into it um, I don't know Jack who's on the podcast last week which you should listen to and watch it was brilliant. brilliant the Combine Classico had me roaring with laughter <laughs> and uh, uh, he said he, when he, he said it was an absolute um, it was absolutely a disaster because they tried to do the same thing but people didn't all by in and bang them on the pitch and shit like I think that. so. Yeah. And Fulham, I went to Fulham away uh, this well, year, and they had a, they had zero atmosphere at Fulham, mm. and and it was pathetic. Because so like as a, as a together, it's probably really strong, but when it's like six or seven people, it's just not. That's it's not my strong. ground. That, that's my ground to go Fulham. Oh, Fulham lovely away. walk to the ground. Yeah, that's that. Uh, and also, you Spurs always take a massive allocation there. We, we travel well everywhere, but. But um, Fulham, they give you so much because you essentially got a whole end, and yeah. because it's a cop end, you just generate such great atmosphere. But um, yeah, the actual football club could give a fuck about. I can see Adam twitching as well. So pub on each corner, of Brentford. If you fancy a pint, yeah, Brent, Brentford's quite nice. Went there once. Uh, poor, poor food though at the ground. There's not what, enough Watford's place to go. interesting away as well because the ground kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah. <laughs> and like when you go there, it's like, where's the ground? Oh fuck, there it is. <laughs> what, what, really loud. What, what? Just quickly because we've got to move on. We've got to wrap up. But what? What is the worst ground that you would say never go? Or go, but just expect the worst. I've got one straight away if you want time to think. Go on, yeah, go, go. Um, Portsmouth, um, Fratton oh, yeah. Park. People talk about it fondly. It is fucking horrible. <laughs> it's disgusting. You get off this train, right? You go out of the thing. Over the road, there's a hooligan pub, definitely. Yeah. Hooligan pub, there's a, a union flag flapping away in the wind. Um it's just this it's just horrible walk it's almost like a chicken run into into the stadium and then you get there and, and you walk up these tiny little steps and all of the 
two and a half thousand fans that got Eco in get funneled into this essentially a double two file, right? And then you go into the stadium. It's a death trap. And then at the, at just as you come up, the only shop they've got, they've got a tuck shop, not like <laughs> not a beer and that, just a tuck shop. Buy some biscuits, broken a bag of broken biscuits. That's Portsmouth Football Club. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Go on. Uh, I, I went to Blackburn away and it was cold and Evil rubbish. Park, is that? Yeah, yeah. And, and and all the fans to get out, they walk out the fr- like uh, right in the front row. I just it doesn't look good, you know. Mm. Like if you're watching a game, if you yeah, watch get them on that. Sky, you can see them going out. Yeah. I mean, it was third round of the FA Cup and it wasn't full. But did you lose that one? Yeah. I don't know really. I like it all the different ways for all different reasons. Like there's you know the Etihad. I don't like. The idea behind it, but we beat them four uh, one when I went there. So I don't know. I, I, I'd struggle to answer that if I'm honest. No, so Reading, Reading, yeah. Why? Yeah. I didn't like Reading. It's so hard to get to. It's not even in Reading. It's like an hour outside. So you, get, you have to get the bus out there. That takes like an hour. It's not an hour outside. It is. Is it? Yeah, I went on there. Public transport. I had a few beers, but I don't remember it being an hour. Yeah. Well, we got a cab. We got a cab and So nothing to me. Um, yeah, Reading is pretty pretty soulless as well, isn't it? Um, I've got a question for you. Stole our kit and if, our name. Um, if you weren't doing if you were, if you weren't doing Redmen TV or the whole online thing, what, what would you be doing, Chris? Um, probably still managing a restaurant. Uh, I was an area manager for three Mexican restaurants. Um, so yeah, it's not really cool, but yeah. Do you need to still be doing that? Probably, yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for just doing fucking the hey. easiest thing. Yeah. And yeah, I was doing that sort. You've of explained that to me there. though, and it, it sounded. It's a lot harder than you think. Like it, it shows how organised you are as a person when you explain mm. that to me. Chris is the the most so switched organized, on, organised yeah. person I've met in football media. You need that. Yeah, you are. What 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 would you be doing? Be back in yeah, back in telly, I guess. Oh, it's not our shit. Yeah, he's running three Mexican restaurants. Well, I've only done yeah, that. I'll just go back. To I've only done that, so I don't know. You, you'd end up in poor. Manual, manual labour, probably manual labour. <laughs> Cape on gardening and that. <laughs> gardening is manual labour. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what would you be doing, Flav? I'd probably still work in my old job, working with kids that threatened to stab me every day. It was great. Yeah, the TV's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so it's time that everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> the, the big moment of the podcast the only reason I actually do this shit uh, <laughs> is um, it's, it's for birds and that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously uh, we're well aware that uh, Adam's a strapping young lad uh, a delight for any woman you know any any parents be great grateful to see Adam he's got the height he's got the stubble yeah. he's got the looks he's yeah. got the intelligence yeah. he's got the twitter account self deprecating slightly as well you know he's got he's yeah. got it all he he's, he's well, he, he wears got, a ring he's a woman you know currently and god bless him for that because he hasn't got a woman if he yeah. did we'd have no stories to Adam, tell Adam isn't tinder easier than this shit we've talked about this he, he was on it but he's just sick of women talking to him yeah do you like women, Adam? Oh, oh, another 50 do you matches. Like women? Yeah, I do you like women. But you just don't like them talking to you? Yeah. Just don't like Flav talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so we set Adam the task of, uh, of, of, um, of, 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 of going up and talking to Sainsbury's girl. So Chris loves Sainsbury's girl. 
Chris actually went hunting for scenes. She wasn't before. there. She wasn't, she wasn't there. Hunting. No, I, I mean, did. Just didn't see what we she went like. hunting gatherer on her ash, right, man. And we right. couldn't find her. So we basically walked around all the scenes we were watching. And we were like, no, not here, not here, not here, not here. <laughs> okay, t- checkouts. No, no. Okay, we'll go to the meat at the end or the, the <laughs> bakery at the end. So we went down to the bakery. No, we walked up and down pretty much every aisle. She wasn't there. We went all the way along the checkouts. She yeah. wasn't there, and then we went and bought a sandwich. In your right mind, around. what does? Don't say what Saint's girl looks like. But in your mind, what does Saint's girl? Look like. Um, um, in my, okay. Within the Damn realms it. of decency, because <laughs> yeah. You know. um, and what's her backstory? This isn't written. Uh, um, she's got lovely legs. I think she's got lovely legs. I think her ass is like uh, outstanding. Right. I think she's blonde. I think she's that was a around bad five. Foot a bad but you're allowed to enjoy the look of someone. Yeah. A, fa- a, a fictitious person <laughs> to a point. Is she fictitious? No, she's not. Um, I think she's really into. Um, Interior design, that's what she wants to get into, and she's just working as a at the moment. And it's quite college, but if she is being art. Is she young as well? She's at college. I think, I think she's at yeah. college. Oh, well, that yeah. changes what, things. Like 16, 17, now she's older than that. She's early 20s. She's Adam's age, definitely. But to the point, right, is I said, Adam, you went, yeah, I saw her. She ain't all that. <laughs> she no. ain't all that. What now for. <laughs> what, no. This is the woman you described as a rocket? She was. She is a very. How tall is she? Five eight. Uh, She's quite little. Let's stop giving this away because people go look. Oh, oh, because everyone around the world's going to know who says. What's her skin tone? Stop fucking giving shit away. (laughs) (laughs) All right, enough. That's enough. That's enough. No, no more describing her. Don't. It doesn't. She need never know about this shit. All right. But um, yeah, Adam, she ain't ain't interested, which is amazing because she is very, very, very pretty. And Adam clearly thinks he's above her. So what colour like, hair? She's like in six, I think, in Adam's head. What really? colour hair has she got? She's blonde. Nice. Right. <laughs> Move on. She's Move so on. as one door closes, I know, Flav, yes. does another door open? Is that what this is about? Because uh, that's the end of that. We need to find another attractive young lady right. around our area. <laughs> Let's not give away the area we're in as well. Um... <laughs> Uh, so but Anon this is, he's going to be massively disappointed he says scenes when Adam pulls Sainsbury's girls and starts a, lovely, lo- a loving relationship only for her to find this <laughs> which is amazing um, I think yep. she'd, be co- she'd be delighted wouldn't she What's, what have we said that's been bad about Sainsbury's girl well because actually I don't I just know said she wasn't that fair oh right yeah that's not helpful yeah yeah but if he's not interested he may as well let her down I dread to think the women Adam gets to spend time with how many dates do you go on a week four no. One. One a one week. week. One, one a week. week. Are you mad, wow. son? <laughs> Casanova. One a week. Recently, one a week. Right. 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 Babe, it's relaxed now. It's, it's not so a big feeling about it. Yet. This is the thing. So I rather like a three-year dry patch, like, and you're James. one a week. Not messing around, London. We don't it's all look like that, Tom Rose said, I'd rather be James's bit on the side than Adam's piece of meat. I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much. It's nice because Adam gets a lot of attention. But what about Flav? You're a beautiful man. And uh, people need to let him know that in the comments below. All right, next last thing was the nice nice things people have said uh, a part of the pod, um, which I don't usually do, but this this is really nice. From Masal S, he says, you have no idea how much this pod and the network means to fans outside of the UK. Cheers, lads. What a lovely thing. That is That's nice. beautiful. It is. And also the end of the pod. Uh-huh. Have you got anything to add? No, I was just I saw a stat the other day that in terms of people who are interested in the Premier League, there's like in Europe it's like 68 million people are into the Premier League or mm. watch it or whatever in the sort of in um, Southeast Asia it was like 249 million 
well. There's so that's the thing I think we may, we do probably forget sometimes. The fans, there's so many fans outside. I mean, they've done an amazing job in globalizing globalizing our sport. Um, you know, nice 12 comment. million people on average watch a Premier League game. How many do you reckon watch the Liga? You probably know the answer. In guess as a guess, four. Two, not bad. Two. Really? Two million. So anyone who says you know, tin pot league essentially. Alright, um, um, that's it from the Long Ball Street podcast. Matt will be with us again next week. Thank you so much, Chris, for oh, coming down. For me. No, it's a pleasure. Also, you've got the, the new, the brand new Red Men podcast. So, any Liverpool fans out there haven't clocked onto that, whether they chart four, five in the sports podcast? Seven. Seven? Seven, I got to, yeah. Amazing. It's only our second week in the iTunes chart, though. It's the algorithm. I love that. You know too much. Yeah. You can't enjoy this shit. That's your problem. I know. <laughs> it seems like he is enjoying it. No, I'm really proud of the podcast. I am. I'm really proud of it. And I, I, as I said to Flav, and, and I, I should extend to you as well, as the two senior podcasters, if you could listen to it and give us some feedback, because we're always looking to improve, that would be uh, magic. As, as much as generally I, I kind of I have a lot of disdain for Liverpool Football Club, and um, not you as people. That's nice to hear. Um, but I absolutely will do that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have done. I need to check it out because I, I, I want to know, I want to reminisce over the chicken paste thing because that was part of my childhood as well. Oh, just quickly. <laughs> this is fucking mental. So, right? In the network, we've got a network WhatsApp group and they were talking about chicken paste the other day. And well, you're, that's a big thing in your I childhood. Don't, no, I in my don't. childhood. <laughs> yeah, I've never yeah. even heard of fucking chicken. What is it, firstly? It's fucking it's me, chicken it, paste. It's it's essentially not chicken, but it's a little <laughs> bit of chicken made into a paste. paste. It's like really shit pate. It's in, a, <laughs> it's in a small little um, pot, barrel pot, pot kind yeah. of thing. And it's, yeah, it's you have sell it in the supermarket. Yeah, I pointed them out to my wife the other day. You'd have it. You'd get your sandwiches and you'd either, either you ask or you just grab it and then you get to school and you go fuck no not chicken paste, paste again. well I had this big thing because Troops came up to Ball Street North and was with us and, and did this thing about ham roll and all that and he says ham roll and I, and I was like what the fuck to Paul what does this mean like and he's like well it's just fucking dead boring I was like you were fucking lucky to be eating <laughs> fucking ham rolls yeah. you know what I mean because I was brought up on fucking chicken paste <laughs> and ham paste ham fucking paste, ham paste. Ham paste. get all of it now I it's said this paste as well there's yeah. fucking all of it it's all shit paste <laughs> it's what you should be feeding to your fucking cat yet I was having it with a butty and with a fucking penguin next to it <laughs> yeah the penguin. Fish paste. Penguin was shit as well. Right, fish paste. It's not, it's not mackerel paste or co- fish paste. How many different types of fish is there? All of the fucking bottom crawlers there. made into paste. Yeah. All these fucking bottom feeding fish go and eat all the shit <laughs> on the bottom of the fucking ocean of other people's de- of other fucking dead fish that's fucking yeah. all of it. And they're having that on butties. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's a butty? Sandwich. It's a sandwich. <laughs> All right. And last thing, what you mentioned of penguins is no one should fuck with a penguin. It's horrible. What do you mean? Penguins are shit biscuits. They are shit. They are shit. It's like that and... I what, like penguins. What are you saying, Ed? Penguins are great. No, 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 no. Fucking blue ribbon, darling. You know what I mean? There's a fucking biscuit for you. On that note, this is the end of, again, of the Long Ball Street podcast. We will see you next week once again. Thank you for leaving your comments below. We are reading all of them and they generally make up a major part of the show as you've just heard or seen. Uh, Remember to subscribe and download and leave reviews and all that good shit. Can I say it? We'll see you at the far post. (laughs) We will indeed. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.